good morning, everybody. Welcome to Trinity. It is a pleasure to be here with you on this beautiful day. All right. I just thought I'd like speak those things that are not as though they were and see who'd come with me. Well, it is, it's lovely to be able to come together, to worship together. And, um, and I've got news, you guys. You want, um, you want to know a secret? Yeah? It's a rhetorical question. Uh, you're going to get a notification soon. I think tomorrow or, or nearby. But it's news that we can employ today. Right? Tara's saying woohoo because she knows. She knows what it is. And this is it. Uh, with the way things are going here in our state and the decisions that uh, state leadership and town leadership is making and our elders, uh, they have prayerfully considered this as well. We can sing again. Amen. Amen. We can sing again. Now, we do ask that if you are going to sing, and if, even if not, that you would still be mindful of the distance between you and your neighbors, and also that you would leave your masks on. Now, we will not wear a mask, so you can see our faces, and the microphones can hear us well, but we can sing out, and that is a powerful thing, right? Scripture encourages us over and over again to think on the things that are good, but it also encourages us to sing a new song to the Lord, to shout to the Lord, right? To exalt his name among the people. Like the, the, the Bible is very clear that worship is a bodied experience, okay? You can meditate on God, but to worship him, you've got to do it with your body. And I know, I know we have uh, we've been in a tight spot this last year, and that not being able to worship in our body with the body, it's kind of like, it's kind of like not getting enough water, you know? You get just enough and you come back, but you still feel dry. So this morning, we do get to sing, and I want to pray and give thanks for that, all right? So let's go ahead and stand up. Right? Let's stand in the presence of God this morning. I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to go, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you that you have kept us well, that you have kept us safe. Thank you, Lord God, that we can continue to gather together. Thank you, God, that you have tempered our wills, that you have given us your spirit of self-control. And thank you that it is a testimony of Trinity that we have not had any kind of breakout event Lord Jesus, for those who have been sick, we pray for them, for those who are no longer with us. We thank you for their lives and the testimony of their faith. This morning as we sing, as we worship, oh God, come and be in our midst. Your word says that you are enthroned on the praises of your people, that you literally inhabit the worship of your people. Where two or more are gathered, you are in their midst, and we know that you are with us this morning as we pray, as we sing, as we gather. And it is by the power of your blood, Lord God, that so many things are accomplished, right? Your blood poured out, but also as a symbol, your blood as a covering, and we thank you for that. And we start this morning with that very, very idea. I want to read this scripture real quick. 
here in 1 John, we see it says, For there are three that bear witness. In heaven, it's the Father. It's the Word. It's the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth. And it is the Spirit of God, His Holy Spirit. It's the water. And it is the blood. And these three also agree. From your burden of sin There's power in the blood Power in the blood Would you or evil a victory win There's wonderful power in the blood There is power There is power, power Wonder working power In the blood of the Lamb There is power From your passion and pride There's power in the blood Power in the blood Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide There's wonderful power in the blood Would you be wider, much wider than snow There's power in the blood Sin stains are lost in that life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Sing again. For Jesus our King There's power in the blood Power in the blood Would you live daily His praises to sing There's wonderful power in the blood There is power, power Wonder 
empowered in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder work empowered in the precious blood of the Lamb. Power to be set free. There is power over the enemy. There is wonderful power in the blood. There's power. There is power to be set free. There is power of the enemy. There is power. Yes, I guarantee. There is wonderful power in the blood. Wonderful power. There is wonderful power in the blood. One more. There is wonderful power in the blood. Amen. Amen. We're going to hear today a story in Acts 4 where Peter and John do miracles. They encounter the religious leadership. They stand before judges and they say, hey, who should I be afraid of? You or God? Well, it's not you, right? That's what they're saying. It's not you. But then they get out of prison. They go back to their attic where everybody who believes in Jesus is hiding. And they immediately launch into a prayer meeting. And they pray for boldness. They pray for boldness. And this is the prayer they pray. They said, when they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them, which is do not talk about Jesus wherever you go, no matter what. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers, they were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against you and your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, the religious and the law. Along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, they were gathered together to do whatever your hand had planned and had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants, that's us, grant your servants power to continue to speak the word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand and heal through signs and wonders that they be performed in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's us, ladies and gentlemen. We pray this, we pray this today. That God, your Holy Spirit, would continue to speak through us. That you, the God who created the earth and the heavens and the seas, would be in us as we glorify your name.
Claim his name. Praise and sound. 
Lord God, we do worship you. We applaud you, Lord Jesus. We exalt you because there is none like you. The creator of all things, the merciful heart, the strong tower. We thank you that we can trust in you. So we just pray, Lord God, that you would move in our hearts this morning as we hear the word. Move in our hearts as we experience fellowship and as we worship. Amen. Hold on to that word for us today because boldness is what we're all going to be praying for uh, before the day ends. And so uh, thank you for all being here today as we dig into the scriptures. We've been uh, going through a series called Unstoppable, and it's a series that's focused on how the gospel itself has spread. Not how the people of God themselves have been unstoppable, but the power at work within them has been unstoppable the power of God at work within each and every one of his children. If you are with us last week, then you remember that we talked about how the gospel was a little bit like that Energizer bunny that keeps going and going and going and going. Nothing can stop it and nothing outlasts it, right? The gospel moves and spreads by the power of God at work in us. The, the Holy Spirit, the, the gift that God has given his followers, his own helper, Sadly, I wonder how many of us understand that this power is at work in us each and every day. It actually caught me off guard. I was thinking about this. And of course, you know, as a pastor, you think of the Trinity, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Your, your faith is shaped by it. But at one point, I, I was getting ready for the day, and I thought, God, how, how is your Spirit working in me today? And I don't know why, but it, that seemed like a question I don't ask myself often enough. Right? The, the recognition that God's Spirit is at work in each and every one of us, each and every moment of each and every day. But how many of us are actually aware of this, are paying attention to this, are, are, are following along with it? Paul tells the Galatian followers of Jesus that if we live by the Spirit then let's also keep in step with the Spirit. In, in other words, if we are alive today, if we've been given this new life in Jesus Christ because of the Spirit's work of birthing us anew, if that's true, then shouldn't we also keep walking with that Spirit, obeying Him and following Him where He would lead us to go? See, I think the challenge is to cooperate with God's Spirit each and every day, and yet for some reason, it's a hard thing for us to be aware of. And yet the, the Holy Spirit has been given to us, to, to God's people, to equip us and to empower us to live by faith, to be the witnesses of Jesus that he's called us to be. But see, engaging with God's Spirit at work within us, it, it, we sometimes treat it as if it's an option. Should we do Dunkin' Donuts today or should we do Starbucks? Dunkin' Donuts, okay. Shh. <laughs> 
That was my own wife. That's why I actually know. That's probably the only reason why I couldn't shush you. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, you're the only person I can't shush, actually. That's what I meant to say. Anyway, see, one of the challenges that the early church faced in seeing this news about Jesus spread was something that they would not be able to overcome in their own strength. It would not be something that they could depend on or choose to depend on one day but not depend on another day. It required that their faith was a kind of faith that each and every day they woke up depending on the Holy Spirit to be at work in them each and every day as God had promised. The, the, the church faced opposition, the opposition that stood in the way for this news to get out and to go about. We should remember, as the church faced this opposition, that Jesus promised that this was going to be true. When he walked the earth, when he had his earthly ministry, Jesus promised that, that, that his people would face many troubles in this world. James would later say that, that we should consider it joy when we face trials of many kinds. I mean, joy in, in trials? That's, that's otherworldly. How many of us look forward with excitement or, or think, oh, joy, when we face trials of many kinds? Not many of us. But yet this is what Jesus promised to his followers, that, that they would face trials, that they would face trouble. And the reality is that this trouble is going to continue to face the people of God in this world day after day until Jesus returns. It's going to be like that Energizer bunny. These troubles will keep going and going and going until one day they'll end when Jesus returns. See, I think what the early church in Acts shows us is that the gospel of God spreads through the spirit-filled, spirit-empowered community of believers, but not when the, the troubles cease or before the troubles come, but as they face the troubles that they face in this world. In other words, as we face opposition in our world, whether it's opposition of other believers or opposition of those outside the faith, as we endure through that, as we persevere through our faith, the world gets a chance to see the power of God at work. Take a look at the first few verses of Acts chapter 4, because there's a story going on here that we need to capture, that we need to understand if we are to understand the kind of boldness that Peter and John and the other disciples prayed for later on, uh, as, as Clayton read for us a few moments ago. In Acts chapter 4, Luke records this. He says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And so they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But, but listen to this. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. In the midst of the opposition that Peter and John faced, people come to know the grace of God the forgiveness of God, the new life that's offered to them through Jesus Christ. But it, it required a boldness for Peter and John that didn't come from within themselves. Let me pray for our word and give thanks for it. God, we, we thank you for your word which has been given to us, that you've revealed yourself to us, your will, your desire, your plan, your promises. Give us eyes to see those, those things this morning. Give us ears to hear them, uh, hearts to embrace them, and minds to understand them, Lord. 
that, that we would be a church that goes out with boldness, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, I think it's important, church, that we understand that, that, that boldness is something that we're all going to need. Not because we're going to necessarily be imprisoned, although, who knows, maybe that may happen at some point. Maybe in other parts, not maybe, in other parts of the world it is happening, that there are those who are imprisoned for their faith. But regardless of whether or not we're living in another part of the world or whether or not we're arrested for our faith, the reality is we face opposition every day to the message of the, of the good news of Jesus Christ. In our passage, Peter and John face some opposition. What, what, what's actually going on here is kind of this reflection on what Peter and John had done in chapter 3. You see, in chapter 3, uh, Peter and John were going into the temple, and there was this man that, that kind of interrupted their journey in. This man was someone who had been born crippled from birth, and, and every day someone would bring him to the temple gates, and there he would ask people for gifts of kindness to, to, to kind of help provide for his life because he couldn't walk, he couldn't do the things to earn a living, to earn uh, uh, the, the things he needs in this life. So he sat outside the temple gates asking for gifts of kindness, and, and that day... We're told uh, after 40 years, he, he asked Peter and John for some alms, for some gifts of kindness. And Peter and John, uh, they, they do something very unique. Instead of saying yes or no to his request for money, they respond like this. Listen to what they say in Acts chapter 3, verses 4 to 10. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. Maybe he's getting a little bit excited at this point. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. So after saying this, Peter reaches down, he pulls the man to his feet or helps him up, and the man starts walking and then leaping, and then praising God. He's overjoyed because after 40 years, this man could now walk and move and, and get around. He, he would now be able to earn a living, to not be seen as someone lesser than in society because he didn't have the ability to walk into the temple and to offer his sacrifices, which cost money, which he couldn't earn. He had his dignity, he had his humanity, he had a sense of value and purpose again, and he was giving God glory for it. And two things happen, both good and bad attention is drawn to this miracle that happens, because after 40 years, people could recognize that this man was the man who was born crippled, but now, for some reason that they cannot explain, is walking and leaping and praising God. Now, as a result of that, the good attention was people are drawn to this, what's, what's going on. They're, they're drawn to this miraculous healing. They're drawn to what Peter would then give credit to being the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the, the one, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who, who uh, religious leaders in Jerusalem had crucified. Now, it's, it's because of him and in his name that he was healed. Think about it. Did Peter say, uh, you guys, you know what? I've got no money, but, but, you know, just get up and walk. You can do it. No, Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up, get up and walk. But the emphasis isn't on get up and walk. The emphasis is on in the name 
of Jesus. Later in chapter 3, in verse 16, Peter would speak more directly to the Sadducees and and to others. And he said, uh, in his name, by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. See, this is ultimately why Peter and John and the early church faced opposition. Because they were presenting a new way of life. They were, they were presenting a different worldview than what many of the religious leaders wanted to be uh, shared among the people of God. And, and as a result of this, uh, the, the Sadducees get annoyed and they say, you know what, let's just, let's just arrest them. It's the end of the day, let's just arrest them, we'll talk to them tomorrow. But because Peter and John healed Because Peter and John set captives free in the name of Jesus, there's opposition. Do you guys remember that that, um, when Jesus came back from the wilderness early on, the the book of Luke, and and he stands up in the the temple, and he's handed the scroll, and he he takes the scroll in Isaiah, and he he recites a passage, Isaiah 61, let me, I don't have it on the screen, but let me just read it real quickly. Uh, he, He recites this passage In Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Listen, church, this is our mission that Jesus has given his followers. He gave that mission to Peter and John. That's all that they're doing. They're, they're, they're proclaiming uh, freedom from captivity, binding up the wounds of this man, and, and not just healing for healing's sake, but pointing to the fact that all of this is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. They're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ, and it gets them in prison for it. It gets them in prison for saying that this was all done in the name of Jesus Christ. But, but here's the thing. Let's not get confused and think that the issue is that they invoked the literal name of Jesus. Jesus goes by numerous names in the New Testament. He goes by Son of God, Son of Man, the Word, the Lagos, the, the true vine, holy and righteous one in, our, in Acts, uh, yeah, Acts chapter 4, author of life, just to name a few. Interesting names that do something. They characterize who the person of Jesus is. Any of these names would have been offensive to the Sadducees. Why? Because in their mind, Jesus Christ was not the Messiah. In their mind, Jesus of Nazareth was just another man. He was a good teacher, a rabbi. They could acknowledge that. But he was nothing more, only man. And and to them, to call him the Christ, to call him the Messiah, this one that had been promised from long ago, since since the Garden of Eden, was an offense to them. It was an offense to their worldview, their way of looking at the world and understanding how the world worked. But the purpose of the story this morning is not so much about that we might learn to wield the name of Jesus like a weapon in our world, but rather to trust in the power that is ours through believing in his name. This is kind of like Juliet from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It's, a, it's the person behind the name that matters the most. I don't know if you've 
remember the whole play. I don't because I've never actually watched or listened or read the whole play. But you hear snippets, right? Things stick out to you, and, and this is one that, that, that stuck out to me, mainly because I've been referred to as a rose before. In, in one of the lines, Juliet is struggling to understand why her love of Romeo is forbidden, right? And, and she's, ref, she's like on, the, uh, on uh, kind of this balcony reflecting on this, and, and she says, uh, that which we know as a rose by any other name would still smell as sweet. In other words, a, let me put this in contemporary language. In other words, a rose smells like a rose whether you call it a rose or bacon, Right? Whatever name you give it doesn't change the smell of the rose. It doesn't change the innate value and meaning of the object itself. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is a particular man in history who God has has sent to be with us. He is God with us. Yes, his name means something. What it means is the power that's behind the name, the person behind the name, and the name symbolizes who he is. He's the, he's the Lord's anointed, the Father's designated Savior, right? The name of Jesus captures his nature. It captures his mission, his purpose, the role that he fulfills in history and in God's plan. Beyond the name itself, the, po- the power lies in his nature, in his character, in his mission, and in, and in his role as the person that the Father has given to this world. So when someone responds in faith to the message of Jesus, to the name of Jesus, they're not magically saying his name. They're putting their hope and their trust in the life and the fullness and the character and the purpose and the mission of who Jesus is. When people put their faith in Jesus' name and and they're justified and forgiven as a result of it in his name, they, they don't have to say his name out loud in a certain way for it to work. This isn't like Beetlejuice, where if you say Beetlejuice, 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 he shows up. The name of Jesus is, is more like, uh, is like the Old Testament name of Yahweh. When, when Israel referred to Yahweh, they were referring to a, a, a particular person, a, a, the name that represented the character of God and all that he is. Yahweh is not just some other name. It was filled with meaning, filled with significance. So Jesus' name is filled with meaning and filled with significance. It's a name that represents all of who he is as our Lord and Savior. See, I think this presented a significant frustration for the Sadducees. And I hope that as we look at this particular narrative in the Scriptures, we understand that there will be similar frustrations that we come up against in this world because of the name of Jesus. Not because of our particular interpretation of the scriptures, but because of who we put our faith in and who we profess to follow and live like and become like. See, the Sadducees held strong beliefs that that Jesus Christ of of Nazareth was not the Messiah. See, according to them, the Messiah was not actually a literal person, but an age that was entered into in time. An age that, that, that was uh, ushered into by, by members of their own heritage, their own sect of Judaism. It, it was uh, um, uh, an age that, was, that, that began during the time of Judah Maccabees. It, it was a, a, an age when Judah uh, Maccabees began this revolt. He led this revolt against the Seleucids and, and, and won back 
control of the temple in Jerusalem in 164 BC. They saw that as the beginning of the age of salvation. And so for them, it was not that Jesus as the individual was the Messiah. They didn't believe that him defeating the grave and coming back to life actually brought salvation. They didn't believe in the resurrection. But what they did believe was something that they were passionate about protecting, a tradition that they were passionate about holding on to, and it made them unable to hear of the truth that's found in Jesus Christ. So for them to call upon the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this physical, historical man as the Messiah, was more than just wrong. It was completely offensive to them. And they were going to do whatever they could to stand in opposition to that. Even, even silence the followers of Jesus. Even bully the followers of Jesus into silence. See, there, I think if we take time to think of, of this, there are people like the Sadducees in our time. Maybe they're not to that extreme just yet, but maybe someday they will be. Or maybe, as I've said earlier, you travel to a different part of the world and they're absolutely as oppressive and, and uh, violent or uh, in opposition to us as the Sadducees were. And the truth of the matter is that things haven't changed too dramatically in 2,000 years. People are still offended by the exclusivity of Christianity. Remember, Christianity says, uh, believes in Jesus' when, uh, Jesus's words when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through me. Christianity can't agree with the worldview that says that there are many different pathways to the top of the mountain to being in relationship with God. There's no other name by which man can be saved from evil but Jesus. That's what Christianity says. And to some people, that's offensive. Their worldview cannot understand that there is only one way to escape the evil that we see in this world. The idea of being given grace, which is free to us, that's countercultural to the world we live in. And to some people, it's scandalous to think that we would freely be forgiven for the offenses that we've, uh, that, that we've uh, done, right? Or, or when we look at some of the offenses that other, other people have done in this world, we find it scandalous that they could be forgiven without the merits that show of how uh, sorry and in need of forgiveness they actually are. The, the idea of, a, of our sin and shame offending a holy God somehow seems offensive to a world that wants to think that people are not inherently good, or I'm sorry, are not inherently evil. Somehow it's, a, it's offensive us, of us to think, or it's offensive in our world to think that, that there's such a thing as, as, being, as sinning against a holy God. That we struggle to understand this, that, 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 that our world does not want to accept that. The Bible says the, the gospel message is foolishness to those who don't believe in it, but to those who do believe, it, it's our salvation, right? See, in Acts chapter 4, the Sadducees interrogate Peter and John after they've been in, in prison, and, and they ask them, by what name or power did they heal this crippled man? There, the, the Sadducees recognize that there is a power that is not of these disciples, does not come from them, that brought about this healing. 
And again, the, 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 the focus of our attention should not be on the amazing miracle that happened, but rather the, the power that's at work in our world, the gift that we've been given, the Holy Spirit that empowers the people of God to tell others about the goodness of God and his plan of redemption, his plan to rescue this world from evil. By what name or power did they heal this crippled man? Well, honestly, the, Peter and John could have said, well, you know what, in this situation, less is more. When, when you're being interrogated by someone, less is more, right? That's just wisdom. That's life wisdom. There's a little life wisdom for you. Less is more, right? But instead of just saying uh, it was Jesus, Jesus did it, they, they expound. Peter goes into this whole uh, sermonette, this message to say, hey, you got to know who it is that's at work in my life. I've experienced something incredible. I want you to know about it too. In verse 8, uh, we're told that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with, with God's power at work in him to, to bring to the surface words and understanding and knowledge that Peter would not have had in his own ability. He gives a much more substantial answer to the source of this man's healing than uh, Jesus did it. Right? Telling others about the power of Jesus at work in our lives requires the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our inmost being. We've got to be aware of the fact that God is at work in our lives each and every day. We're often aware of where our sin is at work in our lives every day. But church, we've got to be aware of the fact that God wants to be at work in our lives each and every day. And he wants you to see that and rely and focus more on that than focusing on all the reasons we have to be ashamed. Just think about this for a moment. Think about who Peter was. Early on when we first started following Jesus, or when he first started following Jesus, he would be someone who was quick to speak, right? Like he was the one who was like, oh, you're like, oh, Peter, you should have just kept your mouth shut. He didn't. He had no filter, right? I mean, he had, I should say, he had very little verbal filter. Right? And he had to learn the hard way. He, he spoke a big game. But, but in that defining moment when he should have done what he said he was going to do and, 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 and be willing to die with Jesus, he denies Jesus, right? This is Peter. This, this is Peter the man, right? The man apart from the, the Spirit of God at work in him. And so what we have to understand is it's not just because Peter was witness to Jesus dying on the cross and witness to Jesus coming back from the grave that he's able to be so bold in standing before the Sadducees in the council. It's because he had the Spirit of Christ at work in him, in his inner being. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to harp on this because I think I need to. As followers of Christ, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not some special moment where, where they ask the question, and Peter says, hang on a second, guys. And then he comes back. He's not, he, here's what it is. He's not like Popeye, who cracks a can of spinach, drinks it down, all of a sudden he gets this new power. That power is already in him, right? By faith, the power of God is at work in him to respond in a moment that would otherwise terrify him prior to this gift of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel message. And, and, and this is what it looked like. It looked like the transformation of his character. It, it looked like a man who was not quick to speak, but quick to listen and respond in the direction that the Holy Spirit was guiding him to go. And it, and it, and it looks like someone who's been equipped to speak 
and to speak boldly. You know, sometimes we talk about what it means to grow in our character, to, to mature as followers of Jesus. You, you look at the fruit of that in Peter's life. When faced with a difficult situation, he has boldness, not because he's bigger and stronger in his, in his own abilities, but because he's matured in his faith. And the power of God is the reason for that. The, the Spirit of God at work in his inmost being is the reason for that. Peter speaks boldly. He responds to them in this matter-of-fact way at much risk to his own livelihood. He tells them, listen, this Jesus that you killed, God restored to life, and now it's him who continues to work uh, for healing the lame and restoring sight to the blind, setting the captives free. He healed this man, right? The The very ministry and mission that Jesus stood up in the synagogue and declared in Luke, Luke chapter 4, I believe, the, the, the ministry that he proclaimed was being fulfilled in their presence, uh, and quoting back to Isaiah 61, he continues this ministry today through you and I. That very same message of, of, of healing the lame and restoring sight to the blind, setting the captives free, Jesus continues that work through us. There are miracles that happen in this world. I, I have not done one or, or seen one, but they happen. I, I know of people who serve in, in, in places around the world who have experiences that they just can't explain, and I can't explain either, apart from knowing that in that moment you see the gospel message expand. You see the power of God revealed. And so when Peter says this to the Sadducees, I, I, the, the text says that they, they didn't know how to respond. I, I almost imagine them standing around like in stunned silence, like looking at each other like, you got something for him? No, I, you, you got something for him? I got nothing for him. What, do you, who, what should we say? Luke tells us in Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, right? When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, not just in the words that they spoke, but in the stature that they stood, the, this this empowerment of the Holy Spirit was visible to the, those who stood in opposition to Peter and John. They could see something was different about them. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. They perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished. The fruit of this boldness it, it is an astonishment to a world that needs to see that God is still at work in this world. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Who doesn't want that? I don't want people to recognize, hey, look at Dan, he's such a good person. I want them to recognize that I've been with Jesus, that Jesus has gotten a hold of my life and transformed my life and changed me into the man that God desires me to be. Who doesn't want others to look at you and say, man, you've been with Jesus, haven't you? Haven't we all? See, when the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, those who, lis- who, who are listening to us recognize that Jesus is at work in our lives. They may not always be able to put the words to it, right? They may not be able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I know him. But they may say, man, there, it, starts, it starts small. There's something different about him. And it's not just the cologne he's wearing today, right? There's something different about this guy. What is it? I don't know. Do you know? No, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's get to know him. Let's find out what's going on in his life, how he, what, what, what's, what's shaping his life, right? See, church, we need to understand something. Peter and John didn't fit the mold of what the Sadducees expected. They also didn't fit the mold of what the world expected. 
They were uneducated common men, right? They, they weren't anything special. But, but, but here's the thing. They, they weren't common. They were educated because the Holy Spirit was in them, educating them in the kingdom of God, educating them in the ethics of God, educating them in the ways of God, the love of God, the forgiveness and grace and compassion of God. They were, they were educated men, just not according to the world's standards. They were educated because they were sons of God who were indwelled by the Spirit of God. Brothers and sisters, listen up. You and I are not uneducated women and men. We're not uneducated common people. We're children of God who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. That our faith in Jesus actually transforms us to have a boldness to go out and talk about our faith. It's not to say that you, can, that, that you could uh, unpack the message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelations without pause or hiccup, but you absolutely should have the boldness to talk about what Jesus has done in your life and how your life has changed as a result of spending time with him. We have every reason to speak of God's work in our lives, and, and, and we have every reason to do that with boldness. See, your, your story, your witness is valuable. It means something. You, you may not think it does, but it does. There is someone in this world who needs to hear uh, of your story of drawing near to Jesus and walking with Jesus and how you've learned not just to put faith in him, but how your life has changed as you've put your faith in him. Every adversity you faced, every blessing you've received are all opportunities to share of the power of God at work in your life and in the good news of Jesus. And as we do share these stories, as we do share our story, those around us will have the opportunity to recognize that Jesus was not just some man. Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord's anointed. He is the one, and in him alone, that we can find life and faith. This is what Peter and John were trying to say to the, the, to the Sadducees, that, that as they faced this adversity, as they faced the opposition of the Sadducees, as they faced persecution, they knew that nothing could stop the message of God going forward. Nothing could stop uh, them from telling others about what God had done in their life. There was nothing else they could do but give voice to what God had done in their life. In Acts 4, verses 19 and 20, Peter and John answered the Sadducees in their questions. And they said this, they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard. See, this is, this is not a matter of choosing whether or not to be witnesses. This is not a matter of saying, uh, you know, will you help greet people on Sunday morning or maybe you're more of a, a, a Sunday school teacher or maybe you've got the gift of, uh, of music and you want to help get involved with the worship ministry team. This is not a matter. Amen. Yeah, there you go. Tar would be proud of you. <laughs> Woo-hoo, yeah. This is a matter of us acknowledging that this is who all of us are. That when God takes up residence in our lives, he doesn't say you've got to get up in the pulpit and preach the next Sunday. But he does say that you've got to tell others about the work that's going on in your life. 
Let them know of this good news. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with others. But not even just share it like, he's not even saying this in a way that's like, you have the option to share it with others. It's like, this is who you are. This is your identity. You are a witness because of what you've seen and heard and experienced because of the mighty works of God. Have you ever heard the phrase, um, a leopard can't change its spots? Well, this is, this is like that. It's impossible for, for something to change its innate nature. And your innate nature and in being born again to this new life with Christ by the Holy Spirit is that you are someone who cannot keep quiet. You can't keep silent about what Jesus is doing in your life. Maybe you've heard of, the, uh, of Corey Ten Boom, whose family helped hide Jews during uh, World War II and keep, uh, keep them safe. Well, her father, Casper, was you know, a part of that and, and was eventually captured by the Gestapo in 1944. And, and he, was, he was sitting in prison, and, and, and here's the funny thing. The Gestapo chief felt bad for him. He's like, this man, he's getting older. He, he's probably not going to live long in prison, so you know, I'm gonna, I want to send him home. So the Gestapo chief comes to him, and he says, he pulls him aside, he says, I'd like to send you home, old fellow. I'll take your word that you won't cause any more trouble. But, but this is where it gets interesting, because Casper replies to the Gestapo chief, if I go home today, well, tomorrow I'm just going to open my door again to any man in need who knocks. Right? He couldn't help but be who God had made him to be. He understood his identity in the purpose and mission of God and, and could not help. But it, this wasn't even a matter of saying, I, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I, I don't, I'd rather go and help. The, no, he recognized this is central to who I am. I can't keep quiet. Peter and John couldn't keep quiet. Even though the Sadducees and the council, they, they threatened them. They're like, no, we can't keep quiet. So what's our option? Well, Church, the, the option is we pray for boldness, right? The issue for us to consider this morning isn't whether or not we're going to be persecuted as we face, uh, the, as, we, as we rely upon this boldness. The, the issue is seeing and understanding that, that our witness continues as we persevere through our persecution, right? We are all going to face opposition in this world. And I pray that you will face opposition for your faith. I'm sorry to say this, and, and, and hopefully this doesn't come across as wrong or mean or uh, unkind, but I hope that if you're going to face any kind of opposition in this world, I, I hope it's for what you believe about Jesus. And, and when you do, the reason why I'm, I feel comfortable to pray that for you and to hope that for you is that when you do, I believe and I know that it's the power of God at work in you who will be revealed in that moment. And that's when the world will get to see God at work in his church and God revealing the truth of the gospel through his people. There are many people in our world who have a very negative view of Christianity. Some of it's true, but some of it's not. Some of us as Christians need to understand that, that, that less is more when we talk about our faith, right? But, but there is an opportunity in these moments to speak boldly of what Jesus has done in our lives. Whatever the shape and form your persecution may take, the question is not how do you get through it. The question is will you rely 
on the boldness of God's Spirit at work within you to bravely be a witness of Jesus' work in your life. Luke records after, that after Peter and John were threatened and released from prison, they returned to their friends and celebrated God's power. They celebrated God's hand in guiding them through their struggles. They prayed a prayer that, that Clayton read for us in our time of worship earlier, that, that we were able to pray through song, that, that we too would have that boldness. Let me read it for us again. Uh, in verse 24 of Acts 4, we read this. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen. You, know what they, you notice what they prayed for? Actually, let me back up. Do you notice what they didn't pray for? They didn't pray to escape persecution. They didn't say, hey, Lord, would you help us to find a way around this issue? Maybe we can maybe just not say exactly what we believe because we know that they're not going to like what we believe. They, they didn't ask for a way to, to kind of give them a supernatural covering so they could stand in the marketplace and proclaim what Jesus has done and, and who Jesus is and, and just somehow protect them from the Sadducees hearing what they're saying. They, they don't pray for that. They, they also don't pray that God would crush their enemies. Right? Do you hear anything in that prayer that says, God, let us, let, let us vanquish our enemies. Let your name be vindicated by crushing the evil people that we're up against in this world. I don't hear that in this prayer. What I do hear the people of God pray for is they pray for greater boldness to proclaim the mighty works of God. They say, God, give us the strength. Give us the strength to speak the truth, to, to be honest with who Jesus is and what we've seen in our life. May, may your Holy Spirit do that in us, to give us that kind of boldness. And, and they pray for God to continue his ministry of revealing himself through his son Jesus to their community. Do you, do, you, do you see that? They, they say, um, give your servants uh, boldness to speak your, to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They want the ministry of, of God to go forth. They pray for it to go forth even when they stand in the face of opposition. Brothers and sisters, if we want to see the love of Jesus overwhelming and transforming the families of our community, if that's what we want our community to see, then maybe we need to start praying this prayer. Maybe we need to start praying this prayer for our church and for our community, that, that God would give us the ability to continue to speak with all boldness of the word of God, the promises of God, and the fulfillment of those promises in Jesus Christ while his hand continues to do a work of healing in our community, while his hand does a, a work of restoring uh, and, and expanding the kingdom of God in our community, 
while his hand does a work of seeing uh, Jesus' love overwhelming and transforming the families of our community. So we pray, Lord, look upon the challenges we face as followers of Christ in a culture that is, that, that, that is increasingly rejecting Christianity and, and grant us the power to speak boldly of the world, word of Jesus, right? While God stretches out his hands to heal our community through signs and wonders and, and, and as things are performed in the name of your holy servant Jesus, this is the prayer we pray. This is why the church was so effective in, in the early days. They faced opposition. They faced trials and tribulations, uh, trials of many kinds. And in doing so, by faith in the power of God at work in them, the kingdom grew. We're told that day it was about 5,000 men. The way the text is written, it seems like that's just the men. That's not counting women and children. But man, wouldn't it be exciting if that was said of here in Fairfield County, the kingdom of God grew and expanded. Why? Not because we fought people with the word of God and proved to them why our worldview is right and theirs is garbage, but because we showed them the love of God at work in our lives through Jesus Christ and our faith in him to have it, that it would be done. Our faith in the Holy Spirit empowering and equipping God's people. Church, when, when the going gets rough, the church gets its boldness Amen. from the Spirit of God. And we're going to take a minute as we do. We're going to, we're going to uh, take a beat. And I'm just going to invite you to pray for that boldness in this moment. Where, where is God inviting you to long for that boldness of the Spirit of God at work in your life? For, for, for you to embrace the gift of God, his love and grace and forgiveness. For you to have the boldness to tell others of God's grace and love and forgiveness that's made available to us through Jesus Christ and through what Christ has done in our lives. Let's just take a few moments. It's an invitation for you to just spend a few moments with God. If not in that way, spend time with Jesus in whatever way is on your heart. And in a few moments, I'll come back up and, and close us in prayer.
we do thank you that you have given us this time to think on the fact that your spirit is at work in each and every one of us this day. Father, I pray that we would all have the boldness to say, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's walk where the Spirit calls us to walk. Let's go and say the things that, God, you have put on our hearts through your Spirit. And let us do it with all boldness because of the Spirit we have at work in us, your Spirit, the gift that Jesus promised, your Helper, Give us the boldness to be a place that, that the love of God emanates from here in Fairfield, Fairfield County, and to the ends of the earth. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. We're singing about Jesus as our cornerstone, the foundation, the one upon whom our life, our faith, the church, our community is built. central to all that we do and there's no two ways about it C.S. Lewis said he is either who he says he is or he's a crazy man who says they are God who says they have come to die for your mistakes and bad choices and then doesn't God alone so today, if that boldness that you're looking for is not there, you pray, you ask for that spirit, you ask for that witness to come and make it true for you today. Not that you believe in something that is not true and you live like you do. The spirit is the witness. It testifies with the Father the sun and the blood. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak and made strong in the Savior's love the storm. He is Lord, Lord of Amen. This is my, my, anyway. Church, this is an exciting time for us where we don't have to rely on our own strength, but on the strength of God. And so uh, it's joy to worship with you all this morning. I want to let you know next Sunday, we have the opportunity to worship with missionaries around the globe. We will be starting our global outreach Sunday next uh, week, next Sunday. We'll have a special missionary speaker, hear about what God's doing, celebrate with what God's doing. And, and in a fun sort of way, celebrate the Lord's Supper with our missionaries. So I hope you can join us next week as we, can, as we continue to celebrate the ministry of God. Before we close, I just want to say this one piece about boldness. The boldness that we're invited to embrace is a boldness that led Jesus to the cross in silence. It is not a boldness that said, hey, I can school these wise religious teachers. I can school this Roman uh, governor, Pilate. He could. Jesus was smart enough. He'd shown that throughout his ministry, but he doesn't do that. With the boldness that God has given him and which we receive as a result of his death and resurrection, Jesus went to the cross silently, suffered 
a crucifixion on our behalf. May we too go forward with an understanding of boldness that, that is a sacrificial love for others, going forth to do what we have been called to do, to continue the ministry of Jesus. Jesus uh, says this, I'll commission us, to, uh, or I'll, I'll send us out with this benediction. When, when Jesus came to his disciples before he ascended uh, to heaven, he said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go in peace, church. Go in peace.